Talk with Ben Tompkins. Oh, hey, oh, how we doing? How you feeling, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but oh my God, have I got some big news to share with you very soon, very soon. I've got some big news to share with you very soon. Good things are happening, my friends. (laughs) I'm very excited. I'm so excited I can barely even contain myself. I'm going to be able to uh, share some good news, I hope, in the next few months. Until then, you know that we're going to have some dope-ass interviews like today's with Morgan McCombs and plenty of others that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. I'm also going to have plenty of stories from the road from this trip that Maddie and I are going to be taking, and I'm really going to be setting myself up for a big 2022. I am so ready for it. I'm going to fucking kill it. And um, that's all I'm going to say about it. I am uh, really looking forward to the guests that we got coming up on the show. We've got a lot of really great guests coming up on the show in the next few weeks. And I'm really excited for where things are headed. And um, yeah, man, that's that's uh, that's all I got. I want to keep this one short and sweet because I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview and hear the storytelling and hear this real talk from my girl, Morgan McCombs. We go really deep on careers. We talk about her new account, Empower Now, this new creative platform and outlet that she has just launched. Very proud of her for starting this journey. Excited to see where it goes. We talk about what it was like being on the last flight from Africa as COVID is hitting and she's there working and living and it's like, hey, you got to get home because the country's going to shut down. Wait till you hear the story. I mean, just an incredible, incredible reminder of the dire situations that we all found ourselves in, but especially for those of us that were living or working or traveling outside of the country in that little window in March, it was like, hey, if you don't get the hell back, you're not going to be able to get back in. That's on today's episode. We talk about what it's like to establish yourself in a new city, some of the tips and advice that she would give to anybody who's moving out to a new place, getting their bearings, really great stuff. We talk about psychedelics, which I have never, ever discussed on a podcast before, but I think what we'll need to do is do a psychedelics episode and grab a couple other guests and then open it up if anybody wants to send in their best psychedelic stories. It doesn't even have to be uh, recreational stuff. You know, a lot of people are using psychedelics now to really break through traumas, to heal PTSD, and in order to continue to unlock things about themselves that they might not be able to or be in a frame of mind to really dive into some probably painful shit, you know? Painful shit. I, I, I've never, ever gone there on an episode, but uh, we do today. And we also spend some time talking about what to do when others project their bullshit onto you, how to handle that. We talk a lot about energy today, and one of those things along the lines of that conversation is what do you do when you can feel somebody projecting their insecurities or their expectations on you, and it's just like 
both Morgan and I have very big Gemini personalities, and we don't like those icky vibes, dude. Get that away from us. And uh, yeah, this is just two Geminis being Geminis for about an hour and a half. I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you do, please drop a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That would really help me grow the show. And I appreciate everybody that's done that to this point. But please, if you're a brand new listener, it takes like two seconds. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, please leave me a rating and a review. And you don't even have to say anything about me. Just be like, hey, Morgan McCombs was awesome and this review is for her. That works. That helps me. So please do that. If you are a Spotify listener, then you can definitely also help out by dropping one of these ratings and reviews on the Facebook page for the show at Real Talk W T. Follow along on Instagram at Real Talk WBennyT as well. And my personal Instagram is at BennyTomp18. And check out TikTok. I'm on TikTok. So grab me on the talk and we'll uh, we'll have some fun there together. That's really it. I'm really excited. I think that this is definitely one of the interviews that I, I have had the most fun with. And... Um, I hope you enjoy listening to this half as much as I enjoyed doing it for you because we had a ball. Without further ado, here is Morgan McCombs. All right, we now welcome Morgan McCombs to the show. Morgan, how's it going? Going good. Just another Thursday in New York City. Just always exciting. (laughs) So um, thank you for your time and joining the show. I uh, recently have been following along with this new platform that you launched. You just launched a new Instagram account at Empower Now at IMPWR underscore now. And um, obviously been a fan from afar. So we met years ago in like 2018-ish. Okay. And, and we were both in the Bay Area living there through some mutual friends we met up. And it was kind of a pivotal time for, I think, both of us because it wasn't long after, like within 2018, like the first six months of 2018, I moved away, Nick moved away. I know you were there for a little bit longer and then you eventually go to New York. So I've been um, just following along and I just, I have a lot of respect for anybody that moves away from their hometown and goes to different places and just grows. And I think following along your content, that's been the big thing that I always take away is that you're somebody that is dedicated to pursuing the things that you find most passionate about that make you happy and you're focused on your development and growth as a human being, which should be celebrated and is why we bring you on the show. So wherever you want to start, open it up and um, we'll spend some time here talking about this new account and uh, where that inspiration comes from. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. Um, that was awesome. And it's, it is crazy to think back three years and change that life, so much can happen in life, but you also can just pick up again and, and be, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like I saw you three weeks ago, even though we both had lives that we've lived in the last three years. Um, and that's something I love about people and just connections in general. Um, when I would have last been in San Francisco or the last time I saw you, I wouldn't have even been thinking about my next move, which ended up being actually me going to South Africa. So, right. yes, yes. So in, in, let's say probably the conversation started in July or August of 2018, I got reached out by a headhunter on LinkedIn and I'm sure you or whomever else have had 
many headhunters in your past reach out. And a lot of the times, you know, I mean, depending on who it is, maybe I'll, I'll hear them out. But a lot of the times it's, you know, no thanks. I'm not interested. Carry on. Sure. This one was a bit different. The message was so direct, but also so vague. And his name is Greg Razor, great recruiter. He had messaged me and said, Hey, I am hiring for this role. It is six months in South Africa. I don't know much about it, but the company is really cool. Is this something that you'd be interested in? And that was the extent of the, of the message on LinkedIn. And at the time I had a great job at, at walmart.com um, and with my agency at the time, which was Saatchi and Saatchi. I had no intentions of looking for another job. I had no intention of moving and I had no intention of moving halfway across the world or totally across the world. And it excited me. So I heard this recruiter out on the phone. He did not give me much more context other than I have recruited for this agency quite a lot. And it's a lot of really cool people. And again, seems like your career, how it's been so far has been very autonomous. And you've, because of your experience, I think you'd be a good fit for this other role that is very much going to be an autonomous role. The role itself, the way I describe it, is much more of a consultant than than anything else. At the time, South Africa really had no advancements in the e-commerce space. They had one peer player called Take-A-Lot and then a ton of, of really huge brick and mortar guys. So like think of your like Walmarts and Targets of America, but in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And the in the US, we were obviously way further ahead and in China as well. And all of them in South Africa knew about it, but there just wasn't infrastructure or people in place to really drive the agenda the same way that it's done here. Um, and for whatever reason, they turned to my agency to ask some suppliers there turned to my agency to ask for help as they started thinking more and more about e-com. Um, and my agency turned to a recruiter and the recruiter found me and there I was. Um, it was the craziest and most incredible thing I could have ever done for my life. First, just throwing myself out of my own comfort zone is where I've always seen the most growth. Like flight or flight is something that, fight or flight is something that um, people bring up a lot. And for me, I, wait, that's not even the right thing. I don't think I just take advantage of, of situations that are in front of me. Like, why would I go into a new opportunity scared. I'm going to go in like big eyed and just take advantage of anything that I can. And that's really what I did when I left. Um, my mom, my family, my friends, everyone did not understand why I was so excited to go. And I mean, I'm sure you could imagine like my mom is shaking in her boots, but I did the same thing when I went to South or when I went to San Francisco, I didn't know anyone in the Bay area. I'd never been. And I just went by myself and, and figured it out. I have family in Southern California, so they were close, but I, I kind of figured it out. And I don't know if this is me patting myself too hard on the back, but I feel like I conquered San Francisco within a couple of years. Um, not that that's what you ever should, that should ever be the intent when you move to a new place to conquer it, but it didn't seem like a big city to me anymore. Like it felt like home and that's kind of the same sentiment I have to South Africa now. Um, I was very blessed with the agency that I work for and the people that are there, a lot of just champions across the board. And I also feel like throughout my career and my life, I've had a lot of champions um, who have helped me reach the, the person that I am today. 
um, and, and also set me up for success in the future too. So I'm very grateful for all those people I have in my corner. Um, but yeah, I spent, I spent, ended up spending two years in South Africa. It was supposed to be six months. Um, but my, my clients loved me. I was doing really good work, um, and really changing, changing the retail game over there. And I just like fell in love with the country. I made friends that became family, um, was doing just so, so many incredible things. And the country itself is truly one of the most beautiful places in the world. So my six months I asked, my clients asked, and I asked if I could stick on longer and ended up staying there for two years. And then I was on the last flight out of the country, May or March 17th of 2020, um, before they went into a nine month lockdown. Damn. Yeah. Wow. And now we're in New York. (laughs) Did you leave because of COVID or because it was just your time to go ahead and make that move? Yeah. So our North American MD for my agency, which is Barrows, they had reached out to me in January of 2020 and said that they needed me back in New York for just work in general, um, as a strategist. And I pushed, they wanted me back then. And I had a best, best friends of mine getting married in May. So I asked if I could stay until their wedding. And then I would fly out, you know, the week after that, which was agreed upon. And then March rolls around. I remember sitting at my best friend's um, aunt and uncle's house and we're all watching the president give his address. And I'm with all my friends. We're like drinking, hanging out and says the country's going into lockdown in, in 48 hours. And my mom called me and was like, hey, British Airways have halted all of their flights. Um, there's like one Qatar flight left and you, you have to be on it. And I'm sitting there like, no, I want to be with my friends. Like, we're going to be at the beach. I don't want to go to America where everything is like locked up and terrible. Like, why would I go into the hellhole? I'm going to stay here. And um, my uncle, who is my father figure, called me and said, Morgan, this is a non-negotiable. You're on this flight, like pack your bags. And I was in, I was in hysterics, like bawling my eyes out, did not want to leave. I had like fallen in love at the time too. Like it was a new love. I was so excited. And I had to literally pack up my entire life in, in two suitcases and leave. And that was it. Which I imagine is even more difficult for you. Just being who you are, you are used to independence, free spiritedness, like all these jobs that you're doing are based on autonomy and like the personal freedom that you have to operate how you need to in order to get the job done. So now you've got family that's back in America that's like, Morgan, you have to do this. Come back home right now. I would imagine that that internal conflict of like, because no one knows at the time how bad it's going to be. So you're like, okay, do I bend to these people or do I stay here and continue doing what feels really good? I imagine that was a really, really tough thing to... to um, Yeah, super yeah. tough. And again, I go back to those champions that I, that I talked about. So many people, when I'm in moments of like, if I don't know a direction I'm going to take, I, I am always asking people's opinions. I don't need someone to tell me what to do, but I love hearing out what other people think because... It just helps me get to my decision, my decision even, even faster or like think about things differently. Um, and yeah, I mean, so many people were like, you're just going to have to do what you think is right. Like no one can, t- this isn't something that anyone knows. And 
just do what you think is right. And I, I wanted to say, I did not want to leave, but looking back, I am so grateful and thankful that I left because they went into a lockdown that was in my opinion, worse than anywhere else in the world. They, you couldn't buy alcohol or tobacco products for like nine months. The curfews that were placed on them were, were insane. You could not leave your house unless you had a proven reason to leave. And they had um, roadblocks is what it's called, where there's a police officer at a state, at a, the side of the road who will check every car. Um, and I have a buddy who, the story is crazy. I have a buddy who went to go pick up dumbbells from a friend because they're in lock, they're in COVID lockdown, which like I did the same thing. I worked out from my room. Grind, don't and, stop. Yeah. And he got, he was at a roadblock with a police officer and the officer asked him why he was out. And he lied and said that he was getting groceries for his grand and dropping them off. And the officer said, okay, cool. Open up your boot or your trunk and show me. And so he had to get out of the car and open the trunk. And here are like all these dumbbells he just picked up. And the officer said, well, my son really needs dumbbells. So I'll take these and you can carry on. And oh that was my it. God. How crazy. Lots of other people would get tickets. I mean, you, you could potentially get taken to jail, whatever. I don't, none of my friends that didn't happen to, but it was very strict and, and tough. They were closing the beaches, which South Africa, all it is, is, is beautiful coastline. Like Durban, where I was, is the sleepiest, most beautiful surf town. The water is warm and the waves are insane. And to tell people who have grown, like, grown up doing that every day that they can't step foot on the sand or go into the water is, is crazy. Um, they're in a much better place now, but I, I am very glad that I left and was able to come back here and, and take that next step of my life in New York. Um, and it's been great. I mean, I had a great COVID year. I, I sympathize with the people that didn't, but I had an amazing time. Like, I feel like I grew a lot as a person. Um, I think that I, uh, people talk about like New Yorkers and you become a true New Yorker if you've lived here for 10 years, which is a bit ridiculous to me that there has to be like a time stamp on it. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I act, I was here when all of the New Yorkers left. So I feel like I earned my stripes in a different way and I don't need to prove it to you, but why does that, why is it dependent on time? Like time is so irrelevant. It should just be your experience. And my experience living in New York during the epicenter of COVID, like being epicenter, I think gives me more, more credibility than people who have lived in their penthouses in the West Village for 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Cause yeah, most people fled out of the city. They went back to New Jersey or wherever they had transplanted from. And then um, yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, I, one thing that I want to ask you, what was your living situation like in South Africa? Like if you had stayed there, what were we talking about in terms of like square feet? What, what kind of a space would you have been confined to? Right. This, there is a story to this. When I first went there, I was working with our HR manager at the time and things, Keith Hickman, amazing, amazing, amazing guy. And without him, I would have been flying so blind. Um, And he put me in, it was a unique case with me coming. They've had transplants come in before, but they've always been men, which I know doesn't, doesn't really matter too much, but um, Barrows has had a flat in Durban in like the kind of downtown area. And that is where usually they would throw in whoever was visiting. It was, it was very much just like a, 
sleeping quarters. Like it's not, it wasn't nice. People came and went is what it is. Sure. So with me coming as a little bit different, I was coming for a longer time. I'm obviously like a girl who's not going to want like random people coming in and crashing with them with where I'm staying. So they initially put me at this extended stay lodge and on the website, it looked like it said it had business travelers and all these people. I was excited. There's like a meal plan. I have my own little apartment in a, in a complex of sorts. And I got there, you know, had my stuff, was getting settled, felt fine about it. And after one day, I realized that it actually was an old age home. Like everyone around me was the youngest person in age to me was, was like 70. And I had the same conversation with this old man four days in a row, him asking me who I am. Like he definitely was going through it, whether it was dementia or Alzheimer's. And after one week, I went back to Keith and just said, I'm so sorry. I'm, I can't stay here. I'm going to be so unhappy if this is going to be my every day. Um, so then it was kind of on me to figure out, figure it out. They were all helping me too. And a, a cool thing about South Africa, a lot of the houses, they have what they call granny flats, which will just be like a separate living quarters on, on someone's property. So a lot of people have those. Um, and a lot of the coworkers, a lot of coworkers were offering that up to me to stay in. Um, but I had met this girl on my team, not even met her. She just was on my team and we were chatting a bit. And I'm obviously this like loud American that gets dropped into a South African agency. And I'm like so loud and talking to everyone. So this girl, Nicola Coots, who's still one of like my best friends this day, remembered me telling my story about my living situation and it actually being an old age home and looking for a place to stay. And she went to dinner with this group of girls who, again, like I talked to today, um, one of which had just gotten engaged and they just um, bought this, this flat. And it, it was a two story, like renovated, gated complex, really nice. I mean, when people think about where I live, people are like, Oh, are you in like a dirt? How, like, what, what was the situation? Like, it was very nice. I had, we had every kitchen appliance you can think of. We had a backyard which monkeys visited all the time. (laughs) I had my own room. We had two bathrooms. Like it was very nice. Um, and that's where I stayed my entire time is with this couple. Um, currently now they're both the Garrett's Jen Garrett and Chad Garrett. That was the wedding I mentioned, um, earlier too. Very good friends of mine. And if it didn't, I think, my experience would have been similar if I didn't stay with them, but it would not have been the same. And I also just owe so much of my time and the fun that I had to the people that I met and people I met early on. Um, yeah, they just, they set the course for which was my most amazing two years ever there. So then you leave South Africa, you go to New York, which is arguably one of the ground zeros for COVID and the initial outbreaks and one of the places that got slammed the hardest with restrictions. And so what's that like going through? Because like I remember different points of the quarantine where you would see the videos on social media circulating where it was like somebody playing a violin on their patio or through their window and then all these different like New Yorkers like flocking to the windows and just like kind of that moment of hey, we're all isolated, but we're all in this together. So you go to this place that's totally locked down. You're also trying to figure a bunch of stuff out for the first time. Like, had you even ever been to New York City proper before getting there? Yeah, I I had visited with my mom 
maybe in like 2017 and we did the very like touristy travel trip. And then my best friend from high school, her name's Avery Mason. She moved to New York after graduating from Boston university. And I'm, I mean, we all, we are like festival girls. So we would go to GovBall together even before she lived in New York. Um, and I would just always come out and visit her. We would do new year, like new years here. Um, so I had come to the city quite a lot, but always with a specific intention, whether yeah. it be like a party or new year's or a festival or a concert, um, and with someone. So it wasn't ever me, on my own again that was that was the new part of it and like also living there were you scared no i don't i i've been trying to actually think about a lot recently what scares me and i i have some things i do know that do scare me one of which is the thought of being alone forever but the idea of going to a new place and being able to meet new people excites me so much more than like any thought of fear. I am, I, that's, that's like what I get off on and what recharges me is, is meeting new people, hearing people's stories and making those connections. Um, so what better place to do it than like the melting pot of the world, which is New York. When you go to a new place, what is your routine in the beginning of establishing yourself? Cause a lot of people, they, I think they're capable of moving out and going to be independent and, and seeking growth. But I think a lot of it starts in the beginning where they are trying to overcome these hurdles of like, oh my God, I'm not going to know anybody. What's it going to be like? So when you go to a new place, what are some of the things that you do in order to feel comfortable? Yeah. One of my first things I do is become acquainted with my surroundings. Obviously you have to take into consideration like safety of when you're there, but I love going for like a walk or run around the area that I've moved to just for me to get my own bearings and understand where I'm at. I know with New York in particular and a lot of places too, people are so nervous to like ask for help or, or even just strike up conversations because they think it's going to be a disservice to whoever that they're asking. And in New York, sure, maybe asking a, a New Yorker who is, who has 10 minutes to walk like six blocks where the closest Dunkin' Donuts is, is not, they might not necessarily react in the way that person wants. But if I'm, if I'm hanging out outside and I see, you know, a couple who is also taking in their surroundings, what, what do I have to lose then to go up to them and ask anything? Like it, it's so dependent on, what I'm like, where I am and what I'm doing. And honestly, what I'm needing too, because I'm, I'm not just sure I'll strike up a conversation just to strike up a conversation, but I'm also very much aware that like other people are living their lives too. Um, but it could even just letting someone know you're, that you're new. Like I just got here. Do you have any recommendations on or what's your favorite restaurant or like, where would be a great place for me to go and get a glass of wine for a couple hours. And people are so ex happy to help. Like happy to help. And especially if they're from that place, like to show a bit of themselves to you, they love giving that. It's almost like a gift. Like this is, this is what, what I love, or this is what I think. And I hope that you do too. Um, and, and I think about it that way. There's a lot of context and like sense setting you need to keep in mind again, like my Dunkin' Donuts fast New York situation. Like, no, I wouldn't recommend that. But um, yeah, like if someone was new to New York, I would, I would go for a leisurely walk, like with no intention and sit down somewhere. And if you see someone just chilling, like, why wouldn't you just say, Hey, I'm new to the city. 
was just wondering if you had any recommendations on, on where I could get a quick appetizer and glass of wine. And at 99% of the time, I'm sure someone will give you like six different options or they're going to say what neighborhood, and then they'll help you like get even closer (laughs) to it. Um, it's about your delivery too, though, right? Like if, if you're not going to want to invest in someone that seems like their energy's off or I don't know. I, I think the way you approach someone also is like a big, a big piece of it and coming out at a place of like, I'm looking to you as an expert here and people feel really good about that. Yeah. Yeah. Approachability is, is a big part of it. People are either willing to give you that time or they're not based on just, yeah. I mean, when you hear, like I never really understood or really thought too much about vibes and energy until I started to experiment with psychedelics and then actually see the vibes like actually radiating off of people and and being in a foreign place and then walking around and like you can actually see that stuff so then when you're sober like nine to five the visuals are gone and the trip has ended but you've seen the world through a different lens and you can't unsee what you've seen and now you know what to look for and what you notice about people when you read their body language or their facial expressions or the way that they move, it's much more subtle, but you're uniquely in tune with all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I am um, actually, as of the last, I'd say, few months, have identified as demisexual. I don't know if you know what that term is or like what it means. It's a lot of people don't actually. Um but it's all about energy. And I just real, I, I have realized over the last, I honestly, the whole course of my life. Cause even, even as a kid, I remember my mom would have bunco nights. I don't know if you know what bunco is. It's basically like a dice game that older women play, have an excuse to play to get together to drink wine and cab. And my like favorite night ever was when my mom was hosting bunco nights because I was able to chat with all of her friends. And that's me as like a five-year-old. So I've always been so drawn to people's energies. And like, I don't know if it's a, I don't think it's about getting reactions out of people. I think it's just the connection of that I love so much. And um, yeah, since like maybe I'll say this, I'll say this year, maybe since like February or so of this year, I started thinking a lot more about how important energy is to me as as an attraction and as a connection to everyone. Um, demisexual falls underneath the queer spectrum, but the difference of demi, the closest way, I'll explain it this way. A lot of people are like, oh no, you're bisexual, which I'm not. Bisexual is a sexual attraction to a male and a female, like the genders of. Then the mm-hmm. next step is pansexual. And pansexual is, an attraction to, to all without having to identify a gender, which a lot more people are, are using as a term that they like to identify with. Then one step further where, where I'm sitting is demisexual, which is an emotional and sexual attraction to all. So that emotional piece is really what like hit so close to home with me. It isn't, it isn't like a, a necessarily a sexual desire that I have with everyone, but I can feel, I can feel a close connection to uh, whomever, like literally anyone. There's so many people that I I feel tied to, um, of different life stages. Like it doesn't really matter. And it's, it's that the beauty of that connection is, is something that I think is so powerful. Um, and just recently I've like 
I started identifying as. Um, and there's been a ton of education, even with my friends who have been homosexual for their whole lives. Um, I'm educating them about this, this new um, identifier within the queer community. And it's been really cool to see also like friends ask, like asking me questions or like, I don't know, it's, it's been a, a recent thing, but it's all about energy and like making sure, making sure the way your energy is being both for like both recharged and like the way that you're portraying yourself. Like that's so important to me and, and always has been. Um, and it definitely probably stemmed off of a psychedelic trip that I've had too. Um, I think psychedelics are the best, the best in, in the world. I, I, have, <laughs> I did my first, um, Stand up, like comedy stand up, maybe like a month ago now. And it's it's something I wanna I wanna keep doing. I just need to find the time to invest in it. Um, you also said at the very beginning when we were catching up that you're a storyteller. That is that's what I classify myself as too. Um, comedy is also a spectrum and I believe storytelling is is a major component of it. I'm not trying to get up there and nail like punchlines. Like that's not my MO. Um, I don't do dark humor. Like that's not me, but I love telling stories. Um, and that's that's really what I did during my my first stand-up. And I was talking about how much I love psychedelics and how much I hate alcohol, honestly. Like I think alcohol is such poison. Um, I'll drink it. I'm not against it, but I just thinking about it, like it's crazy to me how, how many negative effects there is on alcohol that are like proven and everyone knows, but we still promote it and like make plans to do it daily or weekly. And psychedelics have such a bad rep as if they're this like thing that's going to ruin your brain when actually all it does is like bring you to um, an enlightened, an enlightened body like you see so much more than just what's in front of you and it's not about tripping like I have to talk to so many people about psychedelics so they're like oh well aren't you scared like your friend's face is gonna melt off I'm like well no because that's not what's gonna happen like <laughs> I I am very educated on how to have the trips that like I want and I need and I also know how much do like how much of a dose I need to get to whatever level that is. Um, right. And so as long as you're, as long as you, same with drinking, like you have to know how much your body can take and you also know how far you can push your limits and you figure it out. I mean, if you drink too much, you're going to black out, you might throw up, you might get arrested, who knows? Right. Um, but same with psychedelics. Like I know how much, I know how much I need to take to open my eyes and I know how much I need to take to feel euphoric. And that is a range and I can, and I can choose that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big, big fan of, of psychedelics. I prefer LSD to shrooms, but I also love shrooms and I know like certain strains that I prefer to others. Um, it's just such a, there's so many, there's so much to learn. So it's hard to like act like an expert in it. Yeah. I, I started experimenting with psychedelics back in, 2015 so like my senior year of college and and that's really what it was about was just trying to understand and unlock certain parts of myself and it's funny now because I've had um Tucker Max on the show before who was a writer and was really famous for writing a bunch of misogynistic books back in the day but I I just I've always appreciated his sense of brutal honesty with himself and about the life decisions that he makes and I thought it was really interesting when he started blogging about making serious changes in his life and being in a place where he's trying to get serious about like 
a real relationship. Now he's the father of two, and now he 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 helps a bunch of people out and stuff. But um, going through psilocybin mm-hmm. therapy helped him unlock a lot of traumas, and he writes about that. And these things have always existed, and as we start to break away from the taboo of drugs, it's 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 really. I don't know. I just I know how much like I benefited from it, and I thought growing up, the thought of hearing somebody did acid sounded like the absolute right. worst thing in the world. And my dad was somebody that if you took drugs, like you were a fuck up basically. And then I get older, and I go, you know, I've been like drinking and and like fucking up and making stupid decisions with alcohol since thirteen years old. Alcohol creates you know changes in your brains especially using it before 21 like and and really even before 25 so you're telling me that this this thing that is like totally okay and everybody accepts and like if bill or you know whoever drinks too much of the company party it's just like oh that's just them being them but if somebody takes a psychedelic drug and is like hey you know what i actually was able to dig deep and like unlock certain parts of myself or like revisit and explore things in a way that actually i can move past them now we go, oh no, we, we shouldn't do that. And it's just like these things in society that have been labeled, like like why is alcohol okay? It's because a bunch of alcohol companies have been like had this dominant stronghold on this one thing that we label as okay. Same with like tobacco yeah. companies and cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. And it's changing all of that old guard and, and it's all about, it really is all about money. It's that those industries don't want to be affected by losing out to marijuana or uh, any any other kind of company that's going to start to mass produce right. this stuff for, for other people. So it's like, yeah. it's it's being stuck in those old ways, but that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. I just like... I feel like money, money is a part of it, but also I do, and this is a personal, this is a personal opinion on it. I think there probably are a lot of people out there that are nervous for our generation and younger generations to unlock this view of life and like have this drive that maybe wasn't there before, or it's like a different drive. It's not even that it wasn't there before, but just a different drive, thinking about life differently, prioritizing different things. And a lot of that could be facilitated through vices that aren't what are mainstream, like, like marijuana, like psychedelics. Um, even honestly, some hard substances that I, I'm not as educated with like the treatments they're doing with MDMA. Like I know they're doing a lot with veterans, um, like PTSD and different stuff like that. But I think probably there's a lot of people are just worried, like so worried about how I would start at our generation, but our generation and younger are going to, really transform the spending power like where people are going to spend, be spending their money and that goes back to the the money piece yeah and i think so much of the perception of these things is what we've learned through the like through the media and and not even like so much as the 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 scare pieces that exist you know but when I say media, I also mean things like television shows yeah. and movies and like how trips are depicted and I've had amazing trips. I love Molly. I mean, I, 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 I love I love the way that I feel on Molly. And I'm like, I don't want to feel 
this is great, right? Everything in moderation, yeah. right? Let's let's yeah. like like make sure that we're also talking about being safe and like knowing your limits, like you drew reference to. But um, the feeling that I get on it is just like, oh wow, like I I just I love everybody, like I I I love this feeling, yeah, and um, I think that I've had good trips, I've had bad trips. That's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about a bad trip, like like you said, people are like oh, your face is going to melt off or you're going to start to see like all these creepy things. Like, no, when I had, when I had a bad trip, it was that I felt really hardcore judged and it wasn't a good environment to trip in. Like that's a really important part of the people that you're going to be around and the environment that you're going to do it in that led to a bad trip. And it wasn't a bad trip that I started to see like monsters or hallucinate or anything. I just felt really judged and not welcome and then that created this like oh my god i i I need to get out of here like i hate this fucking place right now and there's nothing worse than wanting to get out of something that you don't have control of getting out of in the moment because you've taken said substance like you you do feel like trapped so to speak because your your trip isn't over like it has to it has to run its course it will run its course <laughs> but like that's the worst feeling ever um yeah i don't know if you saw bad or don't trip or like have a good trip on netflix it, yeah yeah it's like all those different comedians that literally like recreate trips that they've had and they have rules like things to follow things to do things not to do and set and setting is so important and that also has, uh, the big component of that is company and like yeah if you're with people that either I don't know are judgmental or like have their own mo that isn't that isn't supportive or loving like if you're tripping or not that energy from that person is infectious as is positive energy um I talked about that with with someone at my current within my current the New York office about um like my energy in particular but everyone's energy I know I know that if I shut off, like if something triggers me or whatever it is, if I don't, if I don't agree with something or anything, I read, it reads so loudly on my face and on my body without me even realizing it. So everyone, and it's just because like my energy is as big as it is. And I, I always want it to be as big as it can be. I think that's so important of people. Like, why would you ever try to diminish like your, yourself? Um, but there's, it's like a double-edged sword because when, if I am triggered, if I am set off and I have this negative sentiment written all across me, that is just as infectious as my like positive bubbly side too. And with a lot of leaders, um, across all industries, like being a leader, you can't always afford that using or like having that negative sentiment because people are, are receptive to you as a leader and you can't let like something that dogs you down, dog you down for too long that it affects other people. Um, so that's something I'm learning recently. I've been learning recently. People always remember the way that you made them feel. For sure. And I think that there's a, there's a really good quote that somebody said that was like a, oh my God moment where they said, your vibe attracts your tribe. Ooh. I was like, whoa, that's so true because, and it's like, like God, there's so much that I want to dig into, but like, yeah, you... I think taking the psychedelics makes you tap into, okay, what is the energy that I'm getting off? And then 
being in that group of people that I was in when I was having that bad trip, it made me go, okay, there are some people that are just not for me, that I'm not going to feel comfortable. And when you start to dim your light or feel like you can't be just yourself and freely and not have to worry about it, and people say things that try and like, they're like little microaggressions that try and keep you in a box, right? And you're just like, you know what? I don't need that. Like, I want to go around people that are going to let me flourish and like really spread my wings and just be whoever the fuck I want to be. Right, support you. That that day, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. On that, on that note with the like microaggressions, I, I am a, also just to like plug it out. I am a huge component of, of therapy, both like psychotherapy and like with, with an actual counselor, whomever, whether it be, whether it be drugs or, or just straight up talking. Um, and my recent, I've had a lot of conversations about this exact topic and like cleansing and making sure that you're the people you're investing your time in are like investing in you the way that's the most fulfilling. Um, and you were talking about the like microaggressions and putting you in a box. A lot of times that's those, a good thing to remember. A lot of times that's also those people projecting. And as long as like, you're able to, it's not necessarily your job to tell them that they're projecting, but if you can take their projections onto you and just be aware that like, what they're saying honestly has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. It's a lot easier to to separate yourself and your emotions from that moment. Like it isn't, it's not about me. Like it's about them. And unfortunately they're just not at a stage where they can realize that yet. And depending on the person, like if it's a close friend of yours, maybe you can talk about it, but if it's not like, it's not worth, it's not always worth talking about. Like let right. you just cut them, you can cut those people out. It's very healthy to, I think it's so healthy to cleanse um, both fr- like friends and acquaintances, even like social media. I do, I do cleanses on my, on my Instagram who I follow all the time because there are people that are like relevant to follow at certain times of your life. And then there's other times where like, what, that's not serving me in any way. And it's at no, at no offense to whoever the people are, but like my time is limited and I want to make sure that I'm whatever I'm spending my time looking at or caring about is like actually relevant to me and making me better too. Yeah. And it takes, it takes a real strength to get to that place of acknowledgement where you go, okay, I see what this person's doing, but you know what? I'm just going to let it roll off and not get, not get emotional about it because it's easy to do. And, and the first instinct sometimes is to want to snap back and be like, Hey, listen, okay, this is my life. Right. Right. But like you said, some people, they just, they really just are not worth going through that because honestly, they probably won't understand. Even if you break it down to them at a four-year-old level, they're just not going to get it. They're just not going to get it. Yeah. And I think it's worth, I'll always give people the benefit of the doubt, which may get me in trouble sometimes. Like people might label me as naive for doing that, but I will always try giving people the benefit of the doubt and I'll always give people a chance. Like with any relationship I have, I usually start it by offering that person hundred percent of my trust. And then we'll quickly find out whether or not they're someone that is actually trustworthy, either just by our interactions or like if they ever did wrong or fool me or lie or whatever. Um, and then that trust like kind of starts depleting. If there's a, a moment where it's like, I have to rely on someone or not, like I usually will give someone a chance. And, and then at that moment, like if they don't show up in the way that I need them as a friend, as a person, whatever, then it's like, I'm sorry, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to give people multiple and multiple chances. 
sure. If it's like family or like there's, there are instances that, um, it's different, but for just standard, like everyday connections, like I don't have time. Life is way too short to try to make something work that doesn't work. Yeah. Don't get along, man. We tried it, you know? Exactly. Where do you think that you get this sense of independence and growth from? Are those like are there experiences from childhood or adolescence that shaped you? Because there's a couple of different places that I want to continue this conversation, but I do want to before we get way off topic, um, get back to like where do you think this comes from? What gives you that sense of hey, you know what? I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna swing for the fences. Like, what would you attribute that to? Yeah, I a lot of things. Um, one, I'm I'm half Cuban, so my grandmother fled Cuba, fled Fidel Castro in I think it was like 1967. I might be butchering the the actual year, but my mom was born in I don't know either. My mom was born in 62, and I know that she was still a kid. But my grandmother left Cuba with three kids and her husband and went to Burbank, California without knowing how to speak English, without a dollar in their pocket and had like no clue what they were going to do. Um, and being able to see like how much courage that must've taken from her and know like where our family is today. And like, just seeing how, how many of her grandchildren are doing different things or like what her kids are doing. It's, it's really cool to look back and realize I get all stemmed from, from her really. Um, so, and I think that is like a Cuban spirit also like, is that, that pride, that independence. Um, I only think recently though, I've been able to acknowledge that as a big component of, of my independence. Like as a kid, I don't think I would have ever told you that that's where I came from. Um, another piece of it too, I've had quite a lot of trauma to date. Um, my parents got divorced whenever I was really young and my dad lost his job during the recession as like so many people's did. Um, but the difference with my dad, he actually, um, had early onset dementia and we didn't know it at the time. But when he, when he lost his job during the recession, like, I remember this moment so clearly where I like went into his office, which I was usually not allowed to go into. And he had one of those like ThinkPad laptops and had like a red stylus in the middle of the keyboard. And I went up and I was like playing with it. My dad was like, what are you doing? Like, what is that? What are you doing? Like, it's your mouse, like trying to explain to him like what it is. Um, and thinking back, like obviously now knowing that my dad had this terrible mental disease at the time that he didn't even realize um, that also got in the way of him. Like he, he couldn't find another job. He didn't know how to work email. Like it was all this stuff. And it wasn't because he wasn't smart. It literally was a, was a defect in his brain. And that's, I think that dimension Alzheimer's is truly like the, the worst disease you could have. Like I, it, it, obviously all disease is terrible, but to watch someone completely lose everything they know. And like the struggle of that is it's so sad. Um, so that, that was definitely, I think, I don't know if that, I don't know if my, if any of my trauma, like helped me find my, my independence, but I think it just helped me realize like how fragile life can be. And, and there are so many different things that can be thrown in your direction. And a thing I always say is, and there's other traumas about too, that we don't have to get onto the topic of, but 
I always just say that everyone's dealt a hand of cards and you don't know what your, what your, what your hand's going to be until it's your turn to like, look at them. Right. Like it's the same with like poker. Like it's, it's all up to the dealer. You don't have a, you don't have a say and that's it. And like, what are you just going to fold? Or are you going to try to play the game? Like you're going to try to play the game. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just kind of how it's been for me. I, I feel very fortunate with, with my life. And I mean, I think also going to South Africa, I just realized how, how fortunate of a person I am, even with the, the hardships that me and my family have had to go, go through. If I had to go through myself personally, like everyone always has it worse than you. Like as much as that, as shitty as that is, like your life is probably better than, than someone else's. And that's something to just remember. Um, even when times feel like so shitty, like what did you get an argument with someone at work? Like, well, there's someone on the street doesn't have a job. Or did you get splashed by a bike with nasty New York water as you're walking? Well, like this person doesn't have clothes put on today. Like there's, there, you can always, there's always, you are always able to find the fortune in, in your day. Like there's always something fortunate that you can, you can find. And even the people that struggle more than us, like all they do is look for, for small fortunes that they have. Um, yeah. yeah, I learned, I learned, I learned that a lot in South Africa. Um, the discrepancy in class there is like actually so sad um but the the everyone there just has such this like positive vibe like everyone is just so happy everyone wants to like build like make connections like that's literally all it is i think that's universal um no matter where you go no matter what language you speak no matter what religion you practice no matter the color of your skin like everyone wants that community and connection that's what makes humans that's what makes every like every organism so great but that's what makes humans so great because we can act on it in ways that aren't through language necessarily like we have ways we can move our body or use eye contact or smile like there's so many other things that can show that appreciation and connection with someone um, that i think is such power and like magic yeah did your dad end up passing away from yeah so alzheimer's it, I, actually it was crazy i had just he, he had been deteriorating for like a while, um, and bouncing between different nursing homes. And it, there would be some days that I'd be so confused cause I'd see him and he'd seem fine. And then there'd be some days where my brother and I would like go to have lunch with him at his, at his home. And we'd have to leave because we could not be there. Um, and when I went to South Africa, I was there for a month. And my half brother, um, who was kind of taking care, taking care of a lot of the, the stuff for my dad, he's a lot older, um, called me and said that they put him on hospice. And I remember sitting there, not sure what to do. Like my half brother was like, don't come. It's not worth it. And I was at such a, like a fork in the road because I obviously wanted to, to go back. I had just made it there. Flights are expensive. Like it was so, there was so much more to it. And I remember I told, um, that same guy, our HR manager, Keith Thickman, what had happened. And he was like, we're getting on a, on a flight tomorrow. Like, don't stress. And so I flew mm -hmm. back and my dad ended up passing in no November of 2018. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton of like grief associated to it because I think I grieved watching, watching the part before his passing. Like that was the hard part. I was, relieved whenever he finally passed um just knowing that he didn't have to struggle anymore like my family didn't have to see him struggling i know that i couldn't even imagine how frustrating it must be to live in that body with that brain like it's so frustrating like 
you can't do, you know, but you don't, but you can't articulate like that is so frustrating. Um, so yeah, I was very much relieved. There's things in my life that I'm sure will always like bring back some sort of feeling or sentiment. Like if, if, and when I ever get married, like there's different things like that. But, um, yeah, my dad was a lot older than, than standard dads. Cause he had had his um, kids before my brother and I. So throughout my life, I mean, we weren't extremely close. Like he, he was my dad. He was around, but it wasn't like your typical father, daughter date night situation. Like, and I didn't really ever feel like I was super, super close to him, but, um, yeah, he did pass. <laughs> I think losing your memory and forgetting the people that you you've known all your life, that would just be, I mean, it's, it, Look, there's a lot of diseases that are unfair, but to start to lose the memory and 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 then to have family members that come in that just want to connect and spend time with that person and then they don't remember and it's just that's really heartbreaking. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's terrible and I hope they get I hope they just keep working on trying to find something like there has to there has to be a way. Like there has to be a way some sort of something that can be done to to make it not as as painful or as miserable like surely the brain is so complex but like there has to be something i mean okay conspiracy theory time i I don't understand how we can make all of these different advances in modern medicine but then still not have a cure for cancer or still not understand this stuff and a part of it it's like okay do they actually want to is there more money in the treatment of these things or is there more money in the cure and when yeah. you start to look at like like different healthcare like the way that the way that healthcare is set up really around the world but but especially in America like we treat illnesses and we treat sicknesses after it it's all reactionary yeah. whereas eastern cultures are more do this stuff to avoid getting sick, live this lifestyle to avoid getting sick. And there's just so much money in treating a lot of this stuff. It just makes you think like, I don't know, how can we put somebody on fucking Mars, but we can't figure out this hundred year old disease. I know I get frustrated thinking about it too. And my dad, I mean, my dad's obviously one of, of thousands or millions. But for me, when I was growing, when, when I knew he was diagnosed, I went straight to, the only times I've seen my dad, I've never seen my dad drink water. I only ever saw him drink a margarita on the rocks, no salt, prime meridian Chardonnay or Miller Lite out of a can. That's what they all have ever seen my dad drink. <laughs> Seriously, I kid you not. Um, even when he was in nursing home, like he would not drink water. Um, and he spent literally 90% of his time outside, whether it was laying in the pool, whether it's playing golf, like my dad was always outside. He looked like leather. He's from Florida. Like always in the sun. So I think between the like lack of oxygen to the brain from not being hydrated, like there's so much of that, that I believe caused his early onset. Um, I think, I think in general, like everyone as they age will start losing their mind. That's just how that's just the circle of life. But I think my dad was definitely brought on because of the, because of his own health, like the way he lived, um, which is, yeah. I just think that's, I, I was always like, does no one else see this? Like, is it just me? That's like, this is why he's like, he, like the way he is. And no one ever thought it, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. Treatment, treatment is, is, um, is interesting. Like thinking about how so much of our medicine is for treatment and not the, 
I don't know what the word, there's like a word for it. Um, but like the beginning of, um, but they're, they think they're doing a lot of studies. I feel like they do a lot of studies for that. Like they try, I know I have friends that work in, in research at hospitals and, um, they all, I mean, they all have their own, they all have their own stuff that they're working on. It's just finding the money. It's just frustrating when we think about, Hey, we were able to find a vaccine for COVID so quickly. Why can't we right. figure this other stuff out right. when there's like billions of dollars of research that goes into cancer or Alzheimer's or, um, I don't know. I mean, we found a polio vaccine, yeah. right? Like it's, it's just like, I don't know. I want to tie this back into though, um, some of that independence. So like, I think a big part of why I was able to want to go and, and like be comfortable moving to a place where I didn't know anybody was because I went through a pretty traumatic divorce that made me go, oh, you know what? I am free to pursue a life that doesn't have to be. And that kind of like, it kind of emancipated me in a way from being held down or being confined or being like, it opened up my eyes to be like, dude, life is what you make it. So if you don't go out there and try, then you're always going to be exactly where you've always been. So I was wondering, do you think that going through some of that with your dad kind of created this thing where you're like, wow, life is so fragile. That's going to give me the independence and the confidence to go out there and just pursue stuff in life. Um, no, but I do know where my switch of like independent living originated. And it actually was whenever I was in San Francisco, um, I had, I'm not going to name drop, but when I was there, I had, um, a pretty tight knit group of friends, not, not, not Nick, not Lance, not our friends, but there are people who I invested a lot of my time with. And I found myself so often wanting to do something, whether it be going to a new restaurant, whether it be checking out mere woods, like, I don't know what a day trip somewhere. And I would rely on my friends to determine whether or not we would do it. And I woke up one day and realized that I don't need, I don't need people to do things with me that I want to do. Like all I'm, I'm, that's just me doing a disservice to myself. If Mm -hmm. I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it unapologetically. I like to give words to all of my years and I started giving words to all of my years in, in 2018 and in 2018 it was unapologetic and there's, you don't owe anyone anything. Like, especially once you turn 18, you don't owe anyone but yourself anything. Um, and so living your life to like someone else's needs or standards or wants, like, that's great if you, if you, you know, want to be in a committed something to someone, but I wasn't with me, with my friends, like they don't, they don't have that, that space in my, in my life. Like I'm not, I don't need to invest at all of my hopes and I don't have to diminish my hopes and dreams and my wants to satisfy you. Um, and I just realized like, again, life is too short. And that probably did go back to, to my dad's health at the time. Cause it would have been around that time would have been when it would have gotten like it to its worst. Um, and I just kind of said, fuck it. Um, I also did a solo trip that year. I went to Spain in May of 20, Spain and Portugal by myself in, in 2018. That was my first solo trip. And yeah, it just kind of like ricocheted me onto this path of like, 
you're going to do your own thing and you're going to have people like people are going to come and go. And that's like the beauty of life. Also, you're not meant to be tied down to all these people at one place. Like that doesn't help you with your growth at all. Um, so yeah, I, I realized in San Francisco that there was so much to do, especially in a cool, a cool city like that, that I wanted to tick off and I don't need to wait for, for people to do it with me. I can just do it myself. And if you want to come great, but like, I don't need to wait. I feel bad for people that uh, it's like they want to do things, but if somebody else isn't down to go with them, then they don't do it. And to me, it's just like, dude, you're wasting, you're wasting your time. Like you're denying yourself of all these different experiences and stuff. What? Because somebody doesn't want to go with you because somebody doesn't share the same passion that you do. Or like, cause you're scared to do it yourself. And the funny thing is I love I love people. I love friends. I love getting groups together. Like I absolutely love sharing experiences with other people. But you know what? I don't have to show up somewhere with other people in order to do that because I know if I go somewhere, I'm going to make friends wherever I go. Like I'm going to find that group of people or create a group of people to create that experience with and have somebody to share it with. So like you might walk in or out alone, but it sounds like if you're if you're kind of the, in the same vein of like you and I, we're going to go, we're going to find people to enjoy stuff with. And the times that I've ever gone off on my own, that is always when I walk away going, this was one of the best nights of my life. This right. was fucking amazing. Right, right. Also on like manifesting and I, we haven't talked about manifesting a lot, but talking about like energies and stuff. A lot of the times when I do my things, sporadically on my own is when I am like, how the heck did this happen to me? Like, how am I where I am now? Usually like blown away. Like, how did I get to comedy cellar, which is one of the like biggest comedy clubs in New York after hours, hanging out with the manager, like looking like I was wearing like a bathing suit and a poncho and chacos. Cause I had left a Grizz concert that was in the pouring rain. And like, I didn't ask to go there. Like, I don't, I can tell you the story of events that led me there, but I was by myself and like, there I was just like cracking jokes with people who have seen literally the most famous comics in the world. And I'm just like hanging out and I like have to sit, I have to literally sit and be like, how did this happen? And it, and it, I do think it all goes back to energy. I go, people want to be around people that will refuel them in the way they need to be refueled. Um, and they will, there people are willing to like risk, things or offer things to get that. Um, and doing it solo, I mean, being solo, I think also gives you that flexibility to like go after those moments. Also, if you're with friends, then there are stipulations, like they might be tired. They might not be happy. They may, they may, they may, they may, but, and that takes away from what you want. Cause I don't know about you, maybe, I don't know about you, but like, I also care about other people quite a lot. And like, I want to make, I do want everyone to be enjoying themselves or like happy. And I hate being in moments where I'm thinking about that. Cause that means I'm not enjoying my moment myself the most. Um, I have a really cool group of friends here in New York now, like a really awesome community of people. And like, we're, we just get each other so well that like, if it's at a point where maybe the night's over, but I don't want to be done. Like I do my own thing. And there's no, there's no like bad blood ever people just do what they want and we all love each other and we, we have each other and find my friends make sure everyone gets home safe and talk in the morning 
Like yeah. it's so much easier that way. Just letting people do what they want to do and live the life they want to live. And if you're able to be a part of it or help them or be a connection point, like cool, but live your life. Like, especially, especially now we're in our twenties. Like why wouldn't we? Right. Two things I want to dive into. One, I tend to think that you being there and hanging out with the manager at the end of the night, I'm somebody that believes that that speaks to, that's like the universe giving you that reward of saying like, hey, Morgan, good shit. Like you are on the right path. Continue to do stuff like that because you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Like I'm somebody that believes that that kind of thing is supposed to happen and it and it happens because you showed up and you yeah. did it yeah. and 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 then the other thing is i did want to get to this and you just segued into it perfectly so there is this internal conflict that i constantly deal with okay and i think i do a pretty good job of balancing it but it's like going between I want to do what I want to do, and this is something that interests me, so I'm going to go and do it, but also not feeling like you're dominating either the conversation or the experience. So like there, there is like a nuance to wanting to create that and be independent and go and enjoy things with other people, but and like not diminishing your own light, but but also letting other people and giving other people the space to also enjoy something. Do you ever think about that or deal with that as well? Yeah. I don't know if you're big on astrology. Um, me and my, me and this group of friends I'm talking about now are very much, and I am a Gemini and like Gemini's are literally, yeah. Gemini, that is, <laughs> that is like, unfortunately, unfortunately, just who we are, like you and I, who we are as Gemini's. And yeah. if you're with friends who understand that, like no one is, no one, none of my friends are ever in this community that I'm speaking about ever are like mad about me for being loud, like offended. Like that is not how, how it works with my friend group, but they also are all woke quote unquote in terms of like the astrological connections that we have um mm-hmm. so i think that's probably maybe where your where your internal conflict comes in is maybe the people you're surrounded with don't know as much about that like i don't have to tell my friends no i'm like the token gemini in our group and so i'm literally always talking i'm always like loud i'm always making plans i'm always meeting new people when we go to concerts there's a venue called the Brooklyn Mirage in New York, which is so fun. It's this huge open like castle you can get lost in. So off, we had a lot of shows like in a row um, in like July and August. And people that were new to the group were like, where's Morgan? Like, are you worried about Morgan? Where's Morgan? Where's Morgan? Where's Morgan? My friends are like, shut up. Like, she is fine. She's literally probably running around on her own, like meeting people at work here. And she's gonna be back in a second. And then I just like pop back in and like, dancing with everyone. And then when I'm not, when I'm bored, I leave again. And it's something that you need to educate people on about yourself because I like, it all goes back to your point of like, I, my intention is never to outshine someone else. Like that's never it. And if anything, I want to give like someone the platform to shine as brightly as me next to me. Um, but I cannot control like how big my energy is. Like that is just like, God's gift to me. Um, there's, there's something that I've spoken with, 
um, therapists about in the past. And that had happened with, um, one of my close friends where long story short, one of their close friends had told my close friend that I was selfish. And when I found this out, I was, that was probably one of the worst digs I've ever, I've ever had in my life with being called selfish because I, like we've said, I care so much about people. And like, all I want at the end of the day is for everyone in the world to be happy. Like I just want the world to be a better place. I really think that's what everyone wants to. Um, and any way I can do that, like I will offer that up. And so when this very good friend of mine told me that I was selfish, I was taken aback. And like, I, it's this weird moment where it's like, I don't want to defend. I don't feel like I need to defend myself to you. Like out of our whole relationship, like you're letting one, one moment where you're believing that I'm selfish and maybe not even seeing the full picture, like take over all of the beauty that we've had in our relationship so far. And it was a really, it was a really hard conversation to have. And it, I had to do a lot of like understanding from their point of view, which I also like love to do. I love hearing people explain their reasoning for things. I can still have my own opinion on what I believe is right and wrong, but like, I will always give someone the opportunity to like explain themselves. And I got like where she was coming from in terms of it seeming as though I was being a selfish person. But my, my response was, no, this is me living like my life, like unapologetically for me. Like, this is what I want to prioritize. This is how I'm going to spend my time. I want you a part of it. But like, if you don't want to do those things, or if you don't want to be tracking alongside me, that's also okay. Like, that's totally cool. And we can, and we can cross paths again when it, when it feels right. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where it ended. Um, And I mean, we're, there's no bad blood, there's no ill will, but that's just how the course of our friendship went. And it, it did strike a chord though of like, I never want, and I talked to my therapist about this. Like, I never want people to think that I am this like self-serving selfish person. Cause I care so much about other people. And I feel like I invest a lot of my time by sharing like my energy to people that I care about. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think it is, I think it's a, it's an internal struggle that everyone will always experience. I don't think there is an answer to figure out how to make sure you're balancing, like getting releasing and getting all the energy you want while also making sure someone else is like no human can, can manage two people that way. It's just not how it works. But as long as your intent is there and like your heart is right, then that's all you can do. Yeah. I never want anybody to feel like they can't enjoy something because I'm enjoying it. Because like you said, like Gemini's, we're probably going to be one of the loudest personalities and giving off one of the loudest energies in the room. And I think I do a good job of being conscious of like, like, like in little moments when I can see somebody else is kind of like coming out of their shell, I'm okay taking a step back in order to let that person have a moment or flourish. But when it comes down to like, I'm going to, if I don't do this or I don't say this or something, then I'm not going to have as good a time as I want. 
and yeah, I, I'm not gonna let that hold me back. But if I'm if I'm around a good group of people and I'm surrounded by people that I'm like, okay, this is like this is a good tribe right here, yeah. and and we're all at a show or doing something at a park or something, and I want to somebody wants to stop and take a picture of something it's like because that person's really feeling it yeah. and i don't have a problem yeah. like stopping or being like cool letting them have their yeah. moment and then continuing on yeah exactly exactly just being conscious of it it's all it really is i've been told this is the most gemini thing ever but i don't know anything about anybody else's signs my girlfriend's a cancer so i've learned about cancers and and the emotions of cancer yeah but i was like, about to say there's lots of emotions uh, of cancers <laughs> yeah so which is cool uh but i don't know anything about anybody else i stuff. did not know a lot about other signs um but i've been doing a lot of extensive extra time figuring it out because I do, I believe like it is such a powerful thing. Um, and really understanding like what, what makes people the cosmos of like, what makes people who they are, I think is so, like magic. It's literally magic. Um, do you have a co-star? I don't even know what yeah, that you should, is. Look up, you should, if you're into astrology, co-star is one app and you can add your friends on it and it will give you like a breakdown of, um, compatibilities you guys have, like, I don't know, things to just consider what, like whatever. And every day they'll give you like updates, um, which is really cool. And then there's another app called the pattern, which is actually terrifying. This app will, I pay, I think I paid like $1.99, but I met a girl who used to pay like $19.99 a month. And she said this app would send her a notification like a minute before her and her boyfriend were, would get in a fight which is crazy. Like it, it like knew to that level of detail and the pattern is crazy. I like wish that it sent me a notification right now, but it, I will, let's say something frustrating happened at work. Like, and I feel like myself bubbling or whatever I will get, I swear to you, I will get a notification that speaks like exactly to it. Like it knows somehow. And I don't know how, and it's crazy. And I don't care to know how, but, and I don't, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably scary to, to know how it knows or something. Right. And like, People are always like, oh, like what you're not, do you really abide by all that stuff? I don't live and breathe. I don't, I don't let that guide my life, but I love being aware of it for sure. Like Mercury being in retrograde, absolutely accurate. Like I have so much shit happen to me when Mercury is in retrograde. Um, even also just there's, there's your sun sign, there's your moon sign and there's your rising sign. Do you know this? Which I'm learning more about, yeah, but I'm still not totally, yeah. So your sun sign is your like what you know. So we're both Gemini's. Your moon sign is what other people perceive you as, okay? I'm okay. a Taurus, which I don't also know that much about. I think they're pretty, I don't know. I would say bold if I had to pick a word to describe Taurus. I don't know enough about it. I need to learn more. And then my rising is a Libra and your rising is like how you wish to be perceived and Libra, like a Libra is like the perfect person for a Gemini because they're all about like balance and even keel. So I don't know. I, I think that's what makes me uniquely myself, which everyone's obviously uniquely themselves, but I have my like manic Gemini energy, like all over the place. And then I, I really care about coming, coming across as, this like I'm put to, I actually have my shit together like I know what I'm doing um so yeah it's, it's interesting to look into and if you get co-star it'll tell you it'll tell you everything like my my Venus is in cancer which 
I don't even know what all that means, but I told someone that's a cancer <laughs> and they were like, Oh, your Venus is a cancer. So yeah, there's all that stuff. Um, but it's just cool. I think it's fun. Like, why not? It makes life more interesting. I like it because it honestly, <laughs> people could say it's stupid or witchcraft or whatever. I look at that stuff as more insightful to me in my life than what's in the Bible. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I'm not a practicing Christian, but totally agree with you. <laughs> and like like you said, like I don't take that stuff as like, okay, if I read a daily horoscope or something and it says something that I'm like, uh, not really feeling that. I, I look at religion or stuff about astrological signs as kind of like a buffet line. Like I, I look at stuff and I'm just like, okay, yeah, you know what? This one actually applies. And uh, maybe this is the app kind of being generic and being able to speak right. to everybody. You know Something what I mean? I've been thinking about lately. Again, I try to break down barriers like religion, politics, like any of that stuff. I try to like find commonalities between people because again that's like the only way I think this world is going to be better is by like getting rid of all of these differences or at least finding finding similarities you don't have to rid the differences like differences are fine but um one thing that has to do with astrology the the like one component that's been around since the dawn of time no matter what religion you practice are the stars and they have served so many different purposes for so many different practices, whether that be like navigation or like if you talk about like like ancient, ancient anything, whether we're talking like Native Americans, like and beyond so many of their ancestors, like you see in the stars or like they turn to the stars for for advice. Like there's so much more to it. The cosmos have been around in the Bible, like the, like all of that, like it's all there. So there's something, there's something with the stars that people are not giving it enough credit. There's not enough credit with the stars themselves. Um, and like planets and how they align, like there's so much energy there that, yeah. um, if only I think people spend a little bit more time educating themselves on, it could be a lot of power. I'm reading a book right now called the human cosmos by Joe Marchant. Um, I like just started it, but it's all about like from the dawn of time and how like constellations played a huge role for, for all these people. And we like see cave drawings that are of the star, like so much that it's, it's, it's way bigger than we think. Um, but yeah, I'm, I love it. I love astrology. I love, I love space. I think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's like, it's like one of those things that people look at, like, they're like, oh, well, religion's been around since the beginning of time or whenever it was invented by man. So like, that's what you should go off of. And these alternative things, it, it's, it's like people that, I don't know, it's like people want you to believe their thing and buy their shit. So right. then they, they, they stampede all this other stuff down and try and keep you from being different. They're like, right. no, you have to be like one of us. And I don't know, whatever, whatever gives you that sense of comfort and purpose and alignment and meaning, I say go for it. For sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, we're getting like pretty close to, I just realized that this, this is like the second time and we're at like 50 minutes right now. So I want to ask you one, let's spend like maybe 10 minutes talking about this last thing and then we'll wrap up. Cool. Okay. Being a woman going to different cities, living the way that you do, fiercely independent and bold. And like, that's that's honestly like when I reached out, I'm just like, dude, like I admire what you're doing so much because I see a lot of myself in in like, like 
I just feel like we are kind of kindred spirits in that sense, like pursuing those kind of same things. And so I really have a lot of respect and admiration for what you are doing and just who you are as a person. But it is different for men and women to live these things. So like when I talk about going to a different city or going to a bar alone or like that kind of stuff, it's different because I'm a guy and I'm kind of bulkier and like, you know, people, I don't know who's going to fuck with me. But as a woman, there's a lot of people that, you know, take advantage of situations that they shouldn't or they're just fucking sick people, you know, and it, and it really bums me out. But, um, can you speak to what it's like being a woman and still wanting to pursue those things and different things that you think about that's different from stuff that I think about when I do some of this stuff? Yeah. I, it kind of goes back to a, a point I just made about a passion of mine is like finding the similarities between and like breaking down, breaking down barriers or I don't know, I don't know how you want to spin it, but for me, I think, unfortunately, with how history has been set up, like women's rights in the past, kind of the trajectory we're on now, there is a lot more work to be done. And unfor- not unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, it's going to take women to do it. Um, and I just want everyone and it goes this goes without a gender like conformity like I would just want everyone to recognize their own value like that is what will make this world better if everyone really just honed in on their unique value that they bring to the table and it doesn't have to be something drastic like you don't have to be Albert Einstein but everyone is unique. Like everyone is, everyone has something that someone else doesn't have. Um, and being able to recognize that and, and use that in your day to day and in the connections in your life, like all of that, it, that is, that's such power. Um, with being a woman in my, like my experience so far, a lot of the times my favorite reaction is when people are like surprised at the way I carry myself. Um, I haven't had moments where I've felt scared about being a girl. I, I've been very lucky with that because I, I have friends that have. I've had I've had friends go through very traumatic um, situations, but I've been lucky enough that the people I surround myself with, I know would go to bat for me if needed. Um, but I also just, I'm very much aware of like where I am and who I'm surrounding myself with. And I do not get myself into situations like that. Um, I mean, even talking about being in South Africa, they have the largest rape count in the world. Um, it is a very, very unsafe country, especially for a woman, especially for a woman that's not from there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I knew that going into it. And I knew that every time I would go to Cape Town by myself or I would walk around wherever, like by myself. But I always know I'm always very much like aware of my surroundings, what I am doing, where the closest something is not having my phone. Like it's dumb travel tips that people tell you, like, don't have your phone out. Don't have your purse out. Like walk with it, walk with intention, walk with a mission and people aren't going to bother you. Like if you act like you're someone worth bothering, whether you're a girl or a guy, that's when you're going to find yourself in trouble. But like, carry yourself with purpose that you, that you're on a mission, whether you are or aren't fake it. And people aren't, 
are likely not going to bother you because they don't want to mess with someone that like is, is doing knows what they're doing. Like people right. that want to mess with you are people that that can get a reaction out of you. Like that's another thing too. I try my best not to let people get reactions out of me. Um, growing up and even now, I have a really hard time picking up on sarcasm because I just think that like everyone has a pure intention and are are being as like genuine as I am, which again, maybe me being naive, I don't care. I think it's just me seeing the best in people. Um, and I have to realize like a lot of times, especially with sarcasm, but a lot of times people want to just get a reaction out of you. Um, and, and with women, a lot of the times it is the reaction that whether it be men or whoever else want to get out of them is this like, I am, I am more than you like woman, um, especially in business, like, especially with me traveling by myself, like that is, that's a sentiment that's been around for, for forever. Um, and everyone, like everyone's working on it, which is great, but I think there's still like a huge gap. Like there's a huge gap of learning. Um, and it's not just going to take men treating women differently. It's also going to take women recognizing their own worth at the same time, if not more, um, and not being scared to get in those situations or moments where a male might have to reconsider the way they would, the way they would act. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a challenging time, but like, I, I never had a, a situation where I felt because I'm a woman, I'm less than, um, and it's probably both credit to just me, like my mom being a single parent, like, my grandma going to the U S on her own without doing anything. Like, I think I come from a, a lineage of very strong, independent women. Um, and I'm just not scared. Like I'm not scared of, of any one really like try me. It's more fun. I like getting the reaction. <laughs> I like getting the reaction out of people when my reaction isn't the reaction that they wanted. Like that is, that's gold to me. That's, yeah. that's, that is comedic gold. Yeah. Me. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hard and I know not a lot of people can probably think about it that way or approach it that way, but I think it all starts with, with people recognizing their own worth and their own value. And the fact that their worth and value doesn't have to be the same as everyone else's. Like the fact that they're, everyone's is different is what is so powerful about their own, like their own self. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. No, definitely. And I just want to clarify something. Not that I was like leading it on to to make it sound like like women are are less than men at all. No, I just no, meant no. like yeah. yeah. And I don't think that you were answering it like that, but um you know, like a lot of times you get parents that say, "Hey, you're a woman." There's there's just like certain situations where you might feel more unsafe or more vulnerable yeah. than than a guy and that's just like the world we live in and there's so much to be said about not like we have to have these conversations and i think a lot of what you just said is like going to be really powerful for some woman who's going to listen to that and and take you know the advice that you just laid out there which is awesome um and it's important to still have that because unfortunately, like we we live in a place where it's like we're teaching girls how to not get raped instead of guys not to right. rape, you right. know, or girls covering up their shoulders versus guys learning how to control their boners. Yeah. 
like in school, like dress coding, like that's a whole other topic where it's like, why are you telling a girl what she can and can't wear versus telling a guy to think differently about looking at a woman? Like that, that's harder work. That's more work. Like that's more work is, is, is helping these developing young men who have no clue versus telling a girl that her t-shirt that she's wearing is inappropriate because it doesn't cover enough of her shoulder. Like what? Because the 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 emotion and the feeling that you're creating in that little girl or that woman is it's not okay to be this way. You need to you need like these are the boxes that we're gonna Your put job. you in. Yeah. 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 For sure. And I just think about parents that would say oh, you can't go there that late at night or who's going to be there or thinking about you, like as a parent, I got to imagine that they were kind of like, okay, Morgan's going to move to the Bay Area. She's going to move to South Africa. She's going to go to New York. And I'm sure as you've gotten older, they're like, oh, our Morgan, she'll be fine, you yeah. know, but but there's so many parents that are like, oh, you got to be careful of where you go. And just like thinking about that or or if they, like think about if you had restrictive parents that were like, right. no, you can't they'll go let and do you that. Go. They yeah. just don't let you go, which is, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so much. Um, again, I'm like excited for our generation to become parents, no disrespect to, to ours. Um, but I think we've learned a lot about autonomy and like driving your own path and like that kind of stuff, which I do all think it comes from, it comes from where you like, you learn it, right? Like it's, it's all learned, um, behavior. So it's just going to be interesting to see like how more and more generations are brought up. And like, even if we talk about, I mean, I'm thinking of like my cousin who's 13, like she knows so much more than me. Sure. She, she's still pretty sheltered and like, doesn't, she doesn't go off and do stuff on her own. She's 13, but like her eyes are so much bigger to the world. Cause she recognizes like how big the world is at such a young age, which is cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And she's got you to look up to, which is like, Hey, I'm watching somebody do this. Right. I remember cool. when I, when I moved to San Francisco, my mom was like, so scared. And I don't know how she got my location on Find My Friends, but I found out that she had had it. And that I think her husband at the time, like told, like messaged me and was like, hey, your mom like literally looks at your location every night to make sure you're <laughs> at your apartment. And I was like, um, we have to change that yeah. and like quickly changed it. But I mean, yeah, she has, I mean, of course she's going to worry about me. Like she's my mom. She wants to make sure that I'm safe and doing well, but she had to reach a moment in time where she realizes like, I will let her know if I'm in trouble and I will let her know if I like need her outside of any like standard mom duties. Um, and she just has to trust that. Like I'm okay. I surround myself with, with people. That's the other thing too. Like as, it, as independent as I am, like I rely on, so many people, so many people, I called them champions at the beginning of our, of our conversation. Like I have friends, I have mentors, I have neighbors. Like I make sure that I have a community, no matter where I am, that supports me and like has my best interests at heart in South Africa. So many of my friends' parents like would go, would go out of their way if I needed anything. And sure. Like it probably comes back. Cause like, I'm such a good friend to their, to their, their kids, but still like, I don't just fly by the seat of my pants by myself and that's it. Like 
I invest so much of my time in, in my community and the people that I surround myself with, which makes my independent lifestyle, like not actually as independent as it seems. Because it's easy to watch and follow along, but then you're like, what, you think this shit happens by accident? <laughs> There's a method to this, right? That's Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Last question, and then we'll get out of here. This is like the mic drop moment. I always ask people at the very end, give me your realist talk, like the things that you believe to be the truest about life or people or careers, like any type of advice. Um if I said real talk, fill in the blank, what are you going to fill that blank with? The risk is worth it. I have realized over the course of my life and the different directions it's taken me that a common thread I see with friends, family, coworkers, whoever. So many people are so scared of different things. Like there's this negative, like, feeling that everyone carries. And it's so heavy. It's so much harder to be negative. Like, and when I say negative, that can range between being like sad or angry or whatever, you know, all the emotions, but it takes so much more out of you to be negative. And there are so much longer effects. Like talk about worry. Like you literally get wrinkles from being worried anxiety, like there are long-term effects on your body and longevity of life. Like there's so much badness that's associated to negativity and none of that within being positive. And that like gap between negativity and positivity is always on this like moment of, are you going to take the risk to get to this part? Like there's all these like, what ifs, like I want to do this, but all of that. And it takes this, this pivotal moment to get to the other side. Um, and people are just so worried about the risk, like, and they'll put risks on, on everything, like minuscule things. Like, should I go for a walk during lunch or work during lunch? And like, that will like be buzzing in someone's head for hours. And it's like, just fucking do it. Like, what are you worried about? Like, stop being so worried and just do it. Like, I promise once you do it, you're going to feel a lot better. So that, yeah, the risk is worth it. It's definitely, um, a, a, like a, an ethos that I try to live. What's the worst that's going to happen? Like if we're talking in comedy, my friends are like, I can't believe you ended stand up. Like, what did that come from? When did you decide you wanted to stand up? I was like, well, I, all I do is tell stories to my friends anyways. So like, why not just do it? on stage in front of strangers and people were like shook that I went and did that. And again, like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to go on stage and bomb and then I do better next time or I don't do it again. Like yeah, what literally my name's not going to be dragged through the mud. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to cause pain to anyone else. Like get over yourself. And get out of your own damn way. Let yourself yeah. live all those things. Exactly. Exactly. No one ever is ready with their real talk like that. So that's why I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like anybody that I ask, people kind of have to think about it. And then they craft this, like, and they start going somewhere in the ends. But like, you were just like right out of the gate, like the risk is worth it. Like, it love is. that. It totally is. Thank you so much for, yeah, uh, sitting down and doing this this was awesome i would love to do this again maybe sure. in in like six months or you know whenever but um yeah I, I i i just 
I really have a lot of respect and admiration for for uh, everything that you do and who you Thank are, you. and I'm excited to continue to follow along with this new Empower Now platform and account that you just launched. And I saw the clips from your social media, um, your Instagram account of you being up there and doing your thing. So I think that's really cool. Thanks. Definitely try and figure out, and maybe you did, um, but like if there's a way to get that all on video and then yeah. start putting those on YouTube, I would love to yeah. be able to see that. Yeah, I need to start. I need to start investing more time in more standups. I have a lot of people in the industry who are again championing, champion, championing me. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something. Now that my social calendar has even killed a little bit, I'll be able to spend a lot more time both on empower and very excited about um, where I'm going to be taking that. And then yeah, just the the storytelling aspect of of comedy um, and kind of breaking down the stereotypes of, of what comedy is, um, too, because there's this picture painted, like people think it's such a, a big, crazy thing. And it's not like, just get on the stage and tell a story. It's so easy. <laughs> but anyways, I really enjoyed this. It was awesome to get to catch up. Um, and yeah, look forward to, to the next. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. That was a really fun one. That was awesome. Definitely want to get her back on within the next year, catch up, see how things are going make sure that you follow along all of those social media accounts that i plugged up in the show at empower now and at morgan mccombs and please pass this interview on if you enjoy it to somebody that you think would enjoy hearing this as well somebody that you think could stand to benefit from hearing this somebody that maybe you were having a conversation with the other day and you were like hey we were just talking about this and now here it is on a podcast wow that's a weird signal that we're getting from the universe right i don't know maybe you were manifesting that shit and then there you go your new favorite podcaster is interviewing your girl and we got it for you so please Show your appreciation by dropping a rating and a review on the show and passing this show along to somebody that you think might fuck with this. Fuck with what we got going on. I highly encourage you to go and check out some of the other interviews that I've got on the backlog. A lot of really great stuff there. A lot of great storytelling. Check out the Uber Stories interviews and check out some of the specials that I do. The Columbus episode, if you're brand new to the show, go back and listen to that. The table talks and the open mic sessions, bangers, bangers. Really, really great stuff. Thank you for listening. I will be back next Wednesday. Until then, I am Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.